0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Kristol. And Bill, we're now well into the next to the last week of the campaign. The poll numbers seem to be relatively steady when it comes to Hillary versus Trump. And so the question people are asking me is, what next? I see this cavernous hole of doom. Am I wrong? Probably not. That's
1: usually the right thing to see over the horizon. But uh, what does McCain like to John McCain like to say? If it's always darkest before it's pitch black, you know, and it could be going to a pitch black moment. I'm not sure we will. Now, I'm struck by two things. I mean, when you have conversa- – a week ago, two weeks ago certainly, when we had conversations here in Washington with journalists, uh, politicians, staffers on the Hill, those kinds of people. Was, could Trump come back? Where does the race stand? How much damage is done down ballot? The latter is still an important question, but actually people have sort of stopped talking about that. I think there's a pretty wide assumption, could be wrong, but a pretty wide assumption that Hillary Clinton wins. And so now it's what happens on the conservative side, on the Republican side post-November 8th. And on that, I'll just pose the question to you. I mean, it seems to me there are two obvious – the obvious way to go is to say the populist sentiments were real, important, Trump distorted them, Trump was a bad messenger, and any healthy conservatism needs to reach out in a sense and, and embrace some of those sentiments, whether it's on trade or immigration or more broadly, a kind of Main Street agenda. I'm sympathetic to that. The Weekly Standard's always been sort of on that, on that side in certain ways. Part of me also thinks, though, that that's sort of the obvious answer, but maybe not the right answer. Maybe what's needed is a bolder answer that cuts against, in a way, the Trump message and really tries to go back to constitutional limited government. I mean, in some ways, isn't Trump... Trump is the opposite of George W. Bush, but isn't he also the heir of George W. Bush? Isn't, Isn't Trump's conservatism kind of a funny bastard child of compassionate conservatism? Once you have a the notion that the government can just do things for you in bush it was to do nice things for poor people in trump it's to reflect the anxieties and 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 uh, unhappiness of working class middle class people but either way, you know, maybe it's time for a more radical sort of libertarian constitutionalist agenda. Those do cut in different directions, right? One is to sort of uh, – well, how can Republicans be more the party of putting government on the side of the middle class? That's kind of the Trumpian uh, – sane version of Trumpianism, Trumpism. The other is much more of a kind of let's get out of the business of, bar, of, of, of trying to buy votes in the first place. I don't know which way – conservatives will go or should go.
0: Well, thanks to the fact that this podcast is sponsored by Tommy John and not by the Trilateral Commission or the Halliburton Corporation, I'm allowed to ask the question about the unitary executive and that theory. W was big on this notion that, you know, in essence, every power that hasn't been conceded somewhere else is conceded to me. And I think that's also part of the Trump uh, pickup, too. And so will the small government... You know, limited government conservative army rush out and take on even institutions where Republicans have power in order to reduce overall power. Of course, the left is never going to do that. But I think that my working theory on the over the long term win for the conservative worldview, rests in when I give speeches I do this thing the iPhone versus the envelope you know the Hillary team Hillary's the envelope this truck pulls up and a piece of paper goes in a box right. and you then dump in a bin that another guy in a dumpster picks up a weekly versus my real life which is I order pizza while I'm on the metro with my iPhone with one click and the pizza shows up and that's about serving you know the, the government in service of people and I think that's one thing about the populist message that gets lost in all of the distortion through the Trump field is you're a guy like my dad who went from the Navy to working on TVs. Well, TVs went repair, went obsolete, you know. And so what is he supposed to do? And the notion that, well, just grab your bootstraps and get going. I mean, in theory, he would love to do that. But is that really the limit of government action? And I think that that is the uh, dichotomy, principled, limited government or government with purpose to meet needs of these kind of iPhone people expect something to happen when they click that button. And I don't know which one is the answer, if they can somehow be synthesized. Well, I think,
1: yeah, they probably have to be synthesized. I framed it as much too much of a dichotomy. And I think the right way to think about it probably is the iPhone model, where you have a very limited, a limited government that enables the private sector, the voluntary sectors, communities, et cetera, to do things much more effectively. And obviously the iPhone is a good instance of that since it was not invented by the government. Uh, The government provides some basic infrastructure with the internet, Mm -hmm. but uh, invented by Al Gore, you might recall that. (laughs) But, um, But, you know, basically, yeah, that is not a bad way to think about it. A very distributed system, decentralized, let people make their own choices. I think some of the conservative thinking over the last 10, 15 years has been in that direction. Portable health savings accounts, you know, individual retirement accounts more, not one size fits all. And that's one of the big problems with Obamacare, Medicare, all these 1930s, 1960s programs. Yuval Levin has made this point. Decentralization fits with innovation and modernization. And somehow combining that is probably the way to go. It's a big intellectual task. It's been distorted probably by Trump in some ways. It's been distorted in a funny way by Bush and with the compassionate conservatism stuff. Uh, There have been people who've touched on this. Newt Gingrich actually who's uh, I think not helping himself these days as a Trump surrogate. But, you know, at his best, Gingrich has had a sense of this. You know, I remember him saying 20 years ago – why can you – you go to the gas station, you stick your credit card in, you pump your gas. You don't even check. You, don't, you, you, put, you push no when they ask do right. you want a receipt. It works. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Not many people are being cheated by gas exactly. stations. The credit mm-hmm. card correctly – the gas right. gets into your tank. The gas works to make your cargo. The credit card correctly registers how much money it That's is. Right. It comes out of your bank account. Uh, all that seems to work fine. So why is government so unbelievably clunky Mm -hmm. when a bunch of gas stations and oil Mm -hmm. companies and car manufacturers and credit card uh, uh, companies are able to make this system work well with, what, billions of transactions every day or every week?
0: And that praise of the private sector bill is the perfect opportunity to remind everyone that this podcast is brought to you by TommyJohn.com. Tommy John is a revolution in men's underwear that focuses on fit, Fabric and function shirts that stay tucked in, socks that stay up, and underwear that keeps everything in place. Whichever way a man moves, and you know, just the other day I got a tweet in my Twitter feed. I am M Graham. It's my Twitter handle from someone saying, "Michael, I heard you talking about Tommy John on the Weekly Stand Podcast. Got him. I love them. The underwear is great. It's so comfortable. My wife loves them too, and it's just hilarious to me, Mister. Uh, I don't buy new underwear until the old underwear it has so many holes in it you can't even call." In underwear anymore that I am you know like this voice for tommyjohn.com but guys I will tell you it is life changing it really is an upgrade on everything I'm I'm tall in the torso and so I never find undershirts that fit I love Tommy John undershirts they fit and they make you look better the Tommy John underwear super comfortable super convenient I mean just one specific example the vent you know in the front Instead of up and down, which never made sense, it goes across. So it's very, very handy in every sense of that word. And so, look, you can live day in and day out, guys, wearing socks, underwear, T-shirts that are just kind of there and you buy them in the big pack and you're never comfortable or you can upgrade from that fast food of underclothes to filet mignon with TommyJohn.com, and it's a great deal too because right now you can save twenty percent. Just go to TommyJohn.com/weeklystandard and use the promo code Weekly Standard twenty percent off your first purchase. TommyJohn.com/weeklystandard promo code Weekly Standard. Now, back to the private versus public sector bill, because there's another example, which is Obamacare and people watching it collapse around their ears. And so you could see an opportunity for we're going to do less and we're going to do it right. So the people who really need help get help. And then the vast majority of you will be just left alone. You can create your own opportunities. You can see that. but. My question is, do you see a messenger who can deliver that message? And I'll expose some of my personal biases. I I was very pro-Scott Walker, not because I, I don't know Governor Walker or anything, but he seemed like the kind of guy who said leadership is a job. So he got his lunch bag, and he showed up, and he said, okay, today we're going to fix entitlements. Today we're going to fix the out-of-balance uh, government sector pay versus private sector pay. Today we're, and he just fixed and that's all I want. But I don't know... Have we reached a point because of celebrity culture and the Trump effect that it can't just be lunch buck? You got to show up with your dancing girls and the, you know, the Mar-a-Lago show. Is that where we are?
1: Well, maybe there'll be a celebrity who actually understands this message. I mean, a good celebrity, the a celebrity sense, accountant, right? Mike Rowe, or someone who understands work <laughs> is important. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't follow that world closely enough. And right. maybe it'll be a young senator, Ben Sass, I'd say of all the senators. Senator Sass from Nebraska talks the most about mm-hmm. this, maybe because he comes from a sort of management consulting background. Um, and But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Smaller government, but better government. Peter Drucker, the great management uh, consultant who died maybe 10 years ago, wrote a book way back, I don't know, say 1970, right. Ballpark, in uh, which he made the point that you know big government is not more efficient government. In fact, big bloated government, you get the worst of both worlds. Right. And I do think that has to be the core Probably has to be one of the core conservative messages going forward. And look, I think one thing when you have something like a Trump phenomenon – People want or open to new messengers, I think, Post mm-hmm. will be open to new messengers post-November 8th. I suspect the messengers will be people who have not been candidates before. I kind of don't think it will be Scott Walker or Ted Cruz or John Kasich or Marco Rubio. Impressive, mm-hmm. though, those individuals are in certain ways. I suspect there will be some younger governor or senator or mayor or maybe businessman or military mm-hmm. officer or someone who comes along and really hits the cord on this.
0: I want to ask you about one last area about the legacy of Trump and moving forward I think one of the things that he hit on that had so much power was he was willing to call out the bad guys and I don't mean the bad guy, you know it's easy to call it ISIS. you know it's easy to call it criminals. Um, there are people who never used food stamps before and then the 2008-2009 thing happened and they showed up for food stamps and they're standing on and they're going oh my gosh. There are a bunch of people slime that. I don't know that it's fair that they're here. I don't know that they're legally entitled. And then they go through hassles and they wait. They can't get their stuff, whatever, and they say this isn't right. People breaking the rules aren't right. They see, you know, business behavior, whatever it's, whether it's Donald Trump not having to pay, you know, business income taxes or you know, GE not paying. Then they go, wait, this isn't. Something is wrong here. And what do you get from the left? You go, oh, everybody's fine. Give them all a hug. You know, Hillary Clinton's position on immigration, just as an example, is it truly is? If you can get here legally past the border guards, you get to stay. Will are Republicans so afraid of being the bad guys of being? You know, mean that they won't call out the people who are, in fact, cheating, breaking the rules, and leaving these typical Americans feeling that this isn't right. I pay by the rules, and I'm a bad guy because I want other people to play by the rules too?
1: Uh, look, I think that's a very good question. I think what I was implying earlier on with that, like, dichotomy is Bush got a- too much away from playing by the rules with right. the compassion stuff. And I think a core conservative message truly has to be a kind of rule of law. Playing by the rules. This is how society has to work. Message, and it's like bringing up kids. You know, sometimes it's a little hard and harsh, Mm -hmm. even to play by the rules and to enforce a rule and not to be, you know, kind and gentle all the time. But it's ultimately very bad for the kid to indulge him, and it's very bad for society to people to be getting away with all these things. So I, I don't know. Will conservatives take Mm -hmm. the lesson from Trump? Will Republicans? Will media consultant types, political consultant types, take the lesson from Trump? We have to be nicer, or we have to play by the rules.
0: And my challenge for you would be to name an establishment Republican who's prepared to come out and say, you know, I'm here to enforce the rules. If you're on welfare and you're not trying to work and you haven't played by the rules, something there should be a consequence. If you came to our country illegally, even though I don't don't hate you, I don't care where you came from, Ireland or Mexico, there should be a consequence. Is there any establishment Republican who would say that? My challenge to you, Bill Kristol, is the answer is none, which is why we got stuck with Trump in the first place.
1: And we'll have to come back on the next podcast, and I'll try to think of an established Republican <laughs> who would challenge your at No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Voters looked up at those debates, and they saw everyone else competing to be understanding, kind, gentle, um, you know, all these nice things that people should be most mm-hmm. of the time. And no one was quite speaking to the to the sentiment you expressed. Yeah.
0: And that was left to my colleagues in talk radio, and to eventually it drifted over into the Realm of Trump. And now we have a nominee who, less than two weeks out, is doing a ribbon cutting at his hotel to launch the election. That's what happens, uh, my GOPE friends, when you abandon uh, part of the Republican coalition. This has been an entertaining, but very depressing in a way, edition of the Weekly Standard Podcast. My thanks again to the folks at TommyJohn.com for sponsoring the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham.